Coming up on This Week in Games, we'll go over President Trump's meeting with industry execs, Facebook looks really stupid at CPAC, and Ubisoft goes on an acquisition rampage. Coming up, This Week in Games. Welcome to This Week in Games. I'm Eric McConnell and I'm your host. And to start it off, I'll say this is a pretty odd week in games. So first off, we had the heads of the industry meeting with President Trump. So after President Trump named violent video games as a contributing factor to the Parkland school shooting, game industry execs head to the White House for a meeting with the president. So this is pretty, this is pretty common after... Uh, Video games are used as the ultimate scapegoat for, you know, the violence in the United States. And I'm pretty sure the meeting was very much lip service and nothing pretty much got done, as it pretty much never does. But interesting enough, the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, didn't get invited to the meeting. So that leads us to question... (coughs) who actually did get invited to the meeting. So the ESA is the trade association for the video game industry. They're the organizers of E3 and kind of a self-regulating force within the industry. Um, If they weren't invited, I guess we have to assume CEOs, COOs, those type levels of staff from major publishers like Activision, Take-Two, and so on were invited, but... Uh, none of the articles actually listed who was there, so I almost feel like this was kind of uh, kind of uh, an apology, maybe, for using video games as a reason why the Parkland shooting happened. As we know, violence is a pretty complicated um, thing in the United States, and you can't really attribute video games as the sole reasons for why. Our country has these issues that many other countries don't also have, as the same games are released in Japan, Europe, and so on and so on. But, yeah, I guess uh, we're once again the bad guys. Speaking of bad guys, we have Facebook at CPAC. So, (coughs) sorry about that. Facebook pulls its bullet train VR demo at CPAC. So, in the bad business decision of the week, Facebook went to CPAC and set up um, an Oculus VR demo station. And front and center was Epic Games' Bullet Train VR demo. So CPAC is the Conservative Political Action Conference. This is where all the top conservative and Republican leaders, such as the head of the NRA, President Trump, Vice President Mike Pence, and so on and so on, give speeches and rally, and I'm sure it's mainly a big donation driver. Um... They all meet up and give talks and whatever, whatever. Well, Facebook, for God knows whatever reason, decided to set up a giant Oculus stand there. So at the same conference that President Trump was decreeing that violent video games are one of the major contributing factors to the Parkland shooting, right outside of that conference room, Facebook's giving a demo, a VR demo, where you're shooting people with full motion controls in your hand. (laughs) So... Facebook pulled the demo, they apologized, and uh, they really made our industry look even stupider. So, thanks, Facebook. So, let's go through the news of the week. 
<coughs> I still got a dry cough. I'm sorry, everyone. So, NIS America, their online store has, been, has had a data breach. So, NIS, Nippon Ichi Software, they're the famous publishers and developers behind Disgaea, tactical RPG series starting on PlayStation 2 and on mini consoles, and it still exists today. Um, their online store for North America was hacked, and customer information, including addresses, names, credit card information, was all stolen. And Nipponichi has emailed potential victims. So if you think you've used the service in the last couple of months since the beginning of the year, um, maybe you should reach out to the company and see if you're at risk, but they claim they have it under control. So about the 15 Weebos out there who bought Disguise 26, you guys really should monitor your credit in the coming months because someone has your information. Next up, Google launches AR Core 1.0. This is big, 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 big news. So AR Core is Google's augmented reality SDK. Um, it allows you developers, users, anyone to create augmented reality games using their mobile phone camera. So, you you know, like Pokemon Go, the Pokemon will sit in the real world. Well, AR Core actually has object recognition, surface recognition. So now if Niantic wanted to make the game look much better, the Pokemon could actually sit on hard surfaces and look more in the world than just floating where your camera is. Um, right now, there's only 13 Android phone models that support AR Core, but pretty much I think it'll be this. I mean, uh, phones will have to natively support it in the future for all Android models. So we can just assume that in about a year or two, every phone will support augmented reality games. So I think officially right now developers can start publishing AR games to the Google Play Store. So if you have one of those models, obviously Pixel 2, um, go to the App Store, start downloading, start downloading some AR games, check them out. And uh, if you like money, start making your AR vertical and run to Silicon Valley and try to get funding because now the gold rush has officially begun. All it takes is for one developer to get on the Today Show with a new uh, kind of neat AR game that will make like casual, super casual fans go, oh my gosh, this is so interesting, kind of like Pokemon Go did when it was first released, and the gold rush begins. So I'm looking to you guys. <laughs> Let's make this happen. We need a second mobile gaming gold rush, and this is our chance. So AR Kit is made by Apple for iOS. AR Core made by Google for Android phones. And then there's plenty of frameworks that will combine both of them for you, or you could just support both of them natively with one game. So all you AR developers, get on this. This is your chance to shine. And let's make sure this doesn't go the way of VR. Next up, the ESRB now requires in-game purchases for all games offering real money digital goods. And what does that mean? That means any game where you exchange in-game, real U.S., Canadian, whatever country tender, for digital items, no physical goods, the SRB will now require you to say in-game purchases somewhere on the label. 
this is going to do absolutely nothing to stop people from stop parents from letting their kids play games and then rack up um, that purchase bills, but it's a step in the right direction. Hold on. <coughs> so, if we remember, GDPR had a requirement to list all the odds on loot boxes and gambling gotcha systems. And now the ESRB is less effectively also requiring labeling of such. I just see this as like we're now at the beginning of the end of all these casinos tactics that the mobile industry and now sadly the AAA console industry has really latched on to drive revenue. And this is the beginning of the end. It's going to be harder and harder to trick people into you know, playing these addictive games and then hitting them up for constant microtransactions. And I think it's just going to get worse and worse. So you already see companies like League of Legends, once they release their, um, their loot odds, players were such a, in such an uproar that they actually went back, apologized, and said they're going to recalculate all of their odds. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the saddest thing I've ever heard is finally when you have to show what the odds are of you getting certain rare skins in League of Legends. It's so bad that you apologize and you say you're going to change it. So the ESRB, obviously not as effective, but still a good step in the right direction. And let's clean up the industry from this negative bullshit. Because at the end of the day, if we keep just screwing over players, if we keep making games and systems where... A month later, a player looks back and goes, holy crap, I spent $200 on some crappy 8-bit cell phone game. What am I doing with my life? I'm going to stop playing video games. We're just ruining our own industry with these terrible habits and terrible um, business models. So it's good to see the SRB do something. I mean, I'll check it as a positive news of the week. So let's move over to the business news. All right. Business is also weird this week. So Ubisoft, <laughs> Ubisoft made some acquisitions. We'll start off. Ubisoft acquires Brawlhalla Devs, Blue Mammoth Games. So for an undisclosed amount, Ubisoft acquires Blue Mammoth Games. Blue Mammoth Games, famous for Brawlhalla. It's marked as the number one free-to-play fighting game on Steam, which sounds impressive, but then you remember... Very few people actually play fighting games on Steam's, Steam, and those who do, probably just going to be Street Fighter V and Dragon Ball Fighter Z, and not people looking to play uh, what looks like the equivalent of a Flash Super Smash Brothers clone. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna crap on Brawlhalla too much. Okay, so. This was a very strange purchase for both parties. Ubisoft claims it's a portfolio diversity play, but looking at Ubisoft's library, Brawlhalla is neither the quality nor popularity that a publisher like Ubisoft should be looking at for acquisitions. And then from Blue Mammoth Games' perspective, very strange because you have Brawlhalla, you claim it's a very profitable and scalable game, why are you selling it to Ubisoft, you know? This is your big nest egg, you know? This is your freedom. This is your ability to hire who you want, run games as you want, and you just sold it off to Ubisoft. So extremely strange purchase <coughs> on both parties. Um, 
I don't know. The only thing I can think of is if Ubisoft wants to inject tons of cash flow, bring up the graphics, bring up the gameplay, um, and really market Brawlhalla as a AAA fighter. Maybe, maybe that's the win-win situation. Outside of that, very strange acquisition. So we'll continue with strange Ubisoft acquisitions, and Ubisoft acquires Is It Love Devs 1492 Studios. So... For yet another undisclosed amount, Ubisoft acquires 1492 Studios, 1492 Studios, I'm sorry guys, I don't, 1492 Studios, I don't know how you guys pronounce it, Uh, I apologize. So, yet another strange purchase for both parties, Um, Is It Love is an episodic mobile dating game, and you can purchase like episodes such as I'm a Vampire, I'm a Coworker, you know, it's all these different scenarios, um, and it's kind of just like a dating romance sim- <laughs> simulator. And, uh, yeah, so Ubisoft claims, once again, it's a portfolio diversity play. <coughs> um, I call bullshit, because episodic dating sims for mobile platforms aren't going to make investors happy. It's very strange, too, because... I think with Telltale laying off half their staff last year, it kind of put the kibosh in episodic, story-driven games. As the leader of the industry basically says, they were un- unsustainable, and that's with IPs like Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead. So for Ubisoft to buy this company, very strange. And once again, 1492 Studios, you're giving up your freedom for a steady paycheck and possibly a chunk of stock. Strange on your part, um, I don't see what Ubisoft brings to the table to help you, and I don't see what you bring to Ubisoft to warrant an acquisition. So, strange acquisitions all around. And then we have a mega media acquisition, something that I'm surprised more people aren't talking about. Okay, Greed Pop, they're the organizers of a bunch of conventions, including like PAX and New York Comic Con, acquires Gamer Network. And Gamer Network owns all of the game industry news websites that I troll and traverse to steal stories to present to you guys. <laughs> so let's go over it. Gamer Network is the parent company of many, many, many industry publications such as GamesIndustry.biz, Eurogamer, EGX, Rock Paper Shotgun, US Gamer, Vici and VG247. So they pretty much cover, and there's more than that too. I just didn't want to read off the entire list. They own many, many, many top industry publications online. And these are top flight um, websites. Rock, Paper, Shotgun, arguably the best PC gaming website for news and reviews. Um, Gamesindustry.biz, arguably... arguably the best industry news website for people in the industry. Um, VG247, US Gamer, Eurogamer, just all around good websites. So Gamer Network, huge conglomerate, many, many, many different game industry publications. Now let's go over to ReadPop. Who are they? ReadPop is a division of Read Exhibitions. ReadPop runs... All right, PAX, New York Comic Con, TwitchCon, Star Wars Celebration, and from what I can tell, pretty much every other Comic Con that isn't San Diego Comic Con. 
So we're talking about a huge, huge uh, conference and exhibition runner. And very, 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 very interesting acquisition. So now we have all the top industry publications online owned by the company who runs most of the top industry conferences. I mean, outside of GDC, E3, and San Diego Comic-Con, um, this company pretty much runs everyone else. And PAX is arguably up there now with E3. Um, you know, maybe not in spin by publishers, but in kind of what the consumers and the fans who visit PAX get out of it. I would say PAX is even better than E3 as far as return on investment. So it's a huge deal. We have one company now running multiple verticals in the industry, and both verticals feed directly into each other. So you have the online publications hyping up the real-life events, and then the real-life events advertising the online publications, and so on and so on. It'll be interesting to see where this goes, because all they have to do now is acquire kind of like a major publisher, a mid-level publisher, and... There we go. Now we have our Rupert Murdoch of the game industry. <laughs> so we'll have to keep an eye on that. All right, let's move on. We got a lot of people news this week. So I'll start off with, uh, and I'm going to butcher this name, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Kavat Yearly. Kavat Yearly. That's the Crytek CEO and president. He's stepping down. So... He's been with the company since 1999. He founded it with his brothers, and they went on to make pretty much what was considered the top-flight game engine at the time. And for many years, I would say up until Unreal 4, Crytek was considered the most advanced game engine on the planet, pushing the best graphics, having the gr best technology as far as, like, explodable terrain and stuff like that and uh they went on to release 11 games two games are unpublished yet and are still being developed um kavat yearly will still stay on crytek as a quote-unquote strategic stakeholder that means he holds a lot of voting stock and still wants a paycheck but he's no longer the ceo or president um and I don't know where Crytek goes from here because right now they've they're in the middle of a couple of lawsuits. Their game engine is kind of less and less used as UE4 has almost completely taken over their share of the market for top flight um, high end graphical games. Amazon bots. I don't know what the deal was. Amazon has some deal with them to make Lumberyard, which is kind of a um, a branch off of Crytek. So I imagine that deal is what's keeping Crytek up. Because if you remember, a few years ago, they had problems paying their staff. Um, they've had problems with pretty much every deal with major publishers and developers. <clears throat> they've just had financial problems all over the board. And so at this point, I don't see, unless Amazon buys them outright, or they get some kind of major publisher, let's say Blizzard starts making Crytek games or something of that scale. I don't know where the company goes from here. And the CEO and president stepping down pretty much points to that same doom and gloom scenario. So we'll have to see what happens to Crytek uh, coming up in the future. 
<clears throat> Next up, we have Wilhelm Tott. He's Rovio's executive vice president of games, and he's also stepping down. He's cited personal regions, and his departure is immediate, as, in, as immediate as when he said he's stepping down, he's done. Um, it could be personal reasons, 100%. I don't know. I'm not this guy. However, there's a big coincidence that Rovio had pretty much its roughest year in existence in 2017. Um, you remember I reported a week or two weeks ago that Rovio's stock was cut in half due to bad forecasts that weren't anywhere near where investors were expecting. And there's kind of just a mass exodus of investment and shareholders leaving Rovio. So, yeah, once again, I don't know where Rovio goes from here. They're not really doing well in free-to-play games. You know, you, you see their games up there but the money they're taking in really isn't anything to like war gaming like game of war um or clash of clans to gotcha rpgs like clash royale or <clears throat> summoners war they're not making that kind of money and anytime they try to branch into another genre they really kind of fizzle out pretty fast so we saw an angry birds match three that rose up to the charts really fast, and then pretty much once they cut, um, once they cut advertising, it plummeted. So, yeah, the EP, EVP of games stepping down, and Rovio continuing its rough 2018. <clears throat> so, after those kind of terrible news, we have more bad news. So let's get on. I'm just going to call this section truly bad news. All right. Rovio shuts down its London studios. This studio was initially supposed to look into investing in MMORPGs. It was going to grow to a 20-person staff after Rovio had a bad year last year. They stopped growing at seven people. All seven employees were laid off. Next up, Wugo Studio lays off roughly 30 employees. This is after a strategy pivot to story-driven games. If you look at Wugo's portfolio now, it's kind of like generic, casual, mobile game crap. You know, Dragon, Investing Express stuff, Hidden Object. So they laid off 30 employees um, and are trying to pivot to whatever story-driven games means. And sadly, but I think we all saw it coming the Barlett Jones Supernatural T Detective Agency shuts down permanently. Um, if you remember, they laid off most of the staff, I want to say, except for like somewhere in the range of 7 to 11 um, employees. And now they decide just to shutter the entire studio. So it's sad to see a San Diego studio go as a San Diego native. Um, I think they were in the Gaslamp District. Uh, sorry guys, sorry to hear that, but I'm sure you guys will find new homes with many of the other studios in San Diego. All right, and rounding up this week in my gaming, uh, I barely played games this week, but have a laundry list of indie titles, and I'm hoping to plow through this upcoming week and report back to you guys on just thoughts and, um which ones are worth your time and which ones are worth your money.
So that's it for this week in games. I'm Eric McConnell. I'll see you guys later. Bye.